Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and joining me today are... Devendra Hardwire. And Top 10 Jeff Kanata. <laughs> no? Uh, Jeff, no, our... Our experiment with uh, everyone having their own opening catchphrase is going horribly. Killed it. Killed it. You killed, you killed it. At the beginning. Wow. <laughs> you said Stick you wanted to have something to do with the episode we're doing, so I went with, and top 10 Jeff Kanata. Mm. All right. Anyway, as Jeff has indicated, this is our annual top 10 films yeah. of 2020 episode. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, we and our 600th are, episode, by the way. Our 600th wow. episode, which Come is on, a milestone that some some people might remember sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that's but, a multiple uh, of 10, you guys. <laughs> so true. So true. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. This episode, we will be counting down our top 10 films of 2020. Now, before we begin, a couple of quick notes, quick shout outs. Number one. For the past few months, we have been giving away Slash Filmcast After Dark episodes uh, on the main feed. Uh, But starting next week, not this week, next week, uh, they will be confined to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash film podcast. We may release an occasional After Dark on the main feed, uh, perhaps much later than we've released it on the Patreon, but just FYI. Starting next week, patreon.com slash film podcast is where you can get the After Dark episodes. Over a hundred people signed up in the last four days. Uh, And so thank you. Thanks to all of you for doing so. Incredible. Awesome. Uh, A lot of people really holding out for the uh, for the end of the After Dark exclusivity period. That that (laughs) first the first six to eight hits are free, Dave. Yes. Yes, And then uh, and then we got you hooked. We got you hooked. Indeed. So thanks to all the folks at patreon.com slash film podcast uh, for betting on the slash film cast and betting on our future. We really appreciate you. I also want to call out that in this episode, we're going to count down our top 10 films of 2020. We have no idea what movies are on each other's lists. Yeah. This is the most uh, reality TV version, you know, of the show that we <laughs> <yeah>. do. <laughs> so Which movie gets a rose, Dominion? Yeah. You are hearing our reactions live and I am excited about it cuz I think there's going to be a couple curveballs tonight, guys. Oh, yeah. So fists are going to fly. It's it's going to be fantastic. Looking forward to it. Now, I always give the speech that at the beginning of, you know, that like uh we do not do this professionally yet. Although maybe one day we will, if this Patreon goes well. Um, but we do not do this professionally. So uh, we, like I would say, in a given year, I don't know about you guys, but I probably watch around like 70, 80 films, maybe 90 sometimes. I know some people who have watched over 600 films, you know? That's and dedication. So, yeah. yeah, I don't like so, I don't like those people. Yeah, well, <laughs> in any case, sometimes guests of the slash film cast Jeff is who those people are. I mean, so uh, we, we do present. Like them. I like them guests then. excluded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have had, as uh, Jeff Kanata's podcast DLC likes to put it, uh, an incomplete sampling of all the films that came out in 2020. Um, and although I made a good faith effort, I watched like six movies this past weekend. Uh, wow! And let me, let me tell you guys. Uh, that is not a good way to consider movies for your top 10 list. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not. Ten, 10 minutes in, you go, am I wasting this two hours right now? <laughs> it's true. There is that pressure. But also what I realized in watching so many movies in such a short period of time is that movies need time to percolate in your mind mm-hmm. for you to kind yeah. of, they need time to settle for you to feel like, 
okay, like that definitely rises to the top. Yeah. You know, you're basically denouncing the idea of film festivals, Dave. So indeed, congrats. Indeed. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm denouncing the idea of film festivals. Followed they are kind immediate- of a nightmare. Yeah. Follow no, I'm, I'm denouncing the idea of film festivals followed immediately by a top ten list making <laughs> exercise. That's what or I'm reviewing those things immediately after you see them. You know, perhaps, perhaps, but yeah, but in any case, uh, yeah. Uh, so we we made a good faith effort. I think a lot of us like watched a bunch of films this month to try to get ready for this mm-hmm. this list, but it's still going to be incomplete. And and furthermore, uh, you know, when I when I was a youngin, when I was a when I was a young rap scallion, uh, and I heard a top ten list or read a top ten list, and it didn't conform exactly to my own opinions, <laughs> I flew into a rage, gentlemen. You know, I I really uh, was upset that this person online did not validate my choices, my mm-hmm. preferences. How dare they have their own mind? Mm. And as I've grown older, you haven't I've changed real- a bit. <laughs> so true so true Jeff. no what as i've grown older what i've realized is um that uh these lists are a reflection of us the reflection of our preferences right and and rather than hey how dare you choose this movie i've never heard of or how dare you choose this movie that i didn't like or whatever view top 10 lists as an opportunity to learn more about the person who's making the list, sure, you know, and also yeah, to, these, to yell at other us. lists, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all—it's really all about us if you think about it, right? <laughs> it's all about us. But no, I see what you did, Dave. You basically concocted a scenario where you can see other lists and then start yelling at people directly instead of just yelling randomly at the internet. I see what yeah, you're doing. it's it's yeah. so true. It's so true. Now, I, I want to ask you guys generally about kind of your list making exercise. Before I do that, I uh, want to thank some people who have donated to the podcast in the past few weeks. Um, thanks to donors Brad J from Lake Forest, California, John Alcorcha, Zal Rezinha, Lorna Cahill, and Bobby Simpson from New York, New York. All those folks donated at paypal.me slash filmcast. Uh, of course, you can donate one time using that link, or you can um, go to the Patreon and get some rewards for your contribution at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Uh, and if you don't want to donate any money, because uh, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you any hardship, you can always head on over to the Apple Podcasts page for Slash Filmcast. Leave a star rating or a review. It just takes a few seconds. It makes a huge difference. So thanks to everyone who donated. Thanks to all of our patrons sending us into the good uh, the new year with good vibes. All right, gents, before we get to our top 10 lists, uh, let's talk about what it was like to make the top 10 list, right? What As you reflected on this year, what were some of your thoughts? I'll, I'll start real quick mm-hmm. and just say that... Uh, this was a very weird list-making year for me. Usually, you know, in a good year... Every other part of the year, totally normal, but the list-making was weird. The list-making really hit you that this year has been been kind (laughs) of odd, right? (laughs) I think, like, obviously, the vast majority of the movies on our list, uh, at least my list, I did not see in a movie theater. Uh, That's a good question. Are any of the movies on my list, did I see any of the movies on my list in Mm. a movie theater? The answer is no. The answer is uh, no. The answer for me is yes. 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 One Actually, mo- the, one movie. The one last movie. movie I saw in a movie theater is on my list. So. Uh, same, Devendra. So I think, I think <gasps> yeah, it might you be the same one. You guys put Sonic the Hedgehog on your list? You put Bloodshot on your list, Devendra? <laughs> no. Uh, we so, all watched yeah. that at home, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we so, saw that at home. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, just, it was a joke, though. But anyway, so... Uh, for one thing, yeah, a lot of movies we didn't see in the theater. Um, for another thing, it was just like because of that, because a lot of movies 
did not get released this year that were supposed yeah. to get released. Right. Probably uh, most of the ones we were anticipating from last year, right? Yeah, that would yeah, be on our yeah. top 10. Yeah, th- mm-hmm. because they did not get released. Um, there were, f- like, I, I, from my estimation, fewer movies to choose from, right? And so yeah, yeah. I I didn't f- I didn't have a difficult time summarizing it down to, like, 10, 15, 18 films, right? Like, that was not difficult. But then from there, then, like, creating the ordering was challenging for me. How about I you guys? I with all that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Any, any thoughts, like, as you made your list this year, like, what the experience was like? I mean, I think the thing for me that I really appreciated, and I start this process like months ago, right? Like I start this doc in Evernote where I'm just like, at some point, just sit down and think like, what are all the movies I really like this year? And over the past, you know, over the the next few weeks, I kind of whittle it down, think about it. It's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of staring at this list and thinking about what it means. But what I really um, came away with was like, man, there's just like no really big budget things on my list like no big blockbusters none of that and that's because yeah most of those got shifted uh the ones we did end up seeing were kind of disappointing for the most part um so my list is mostly like very small movies and indies and uh, you know foreign films and i actually appreciate that that's kind of refreshing to be honest that's mostly what we watched right i mean that's what was available to watch that was uh uh surprising to me uh that that well, I mean, obviously surprising to everybody that the film industry changed so much. And, you know, I think we had fewer total movies that we reviewed on the show because there were right, several right. weeks where we were sort of scrambling to find because there wasn't anything happening. There was like nothing new coming out. Society you know, we, shut down. What do we do? Yeah. I mean, we did Judgment Night and Lost Boys and stuff like that for <laughs> weeks of the show. So, yeah. you know, I think ultimately there were fewer movies. Like like you said, Dave, I I, I tried to fill things out, you know, as we were going along. but um it did feel like a i don't i i don't want to be uh, dismissive of the year because i think it was it, it was a, i'm really happy with all the yeah. movies that made my list but it's a mulligan it like of a, a year yeah bit a bit of a shallower pool you know mm. yeah it did feel like that i mean uh if you are on uh critics groups list as as i am or if you're you know part of a guild and you got some screeners at the end of the year like you know i got uh, dozens of screeners, some many of which were for top quality films, right? So there is that, but then it's like, do you even put those on the list, right? Like, like Nomadland, for instance. Like, people aren't even going to get a chance to see that for months yeah. from now. Like, it's yeah. just, it's just, I'm really looking forward just, to seeing that. By the way, it's just yeah. weird. Um, couple couple of other thoughts as we reflect on this year. I mean, I've said this before a couple times, and I've tried not to like emphasize it too much, but. I do think this year represented an existential threat to the podcast. I mean, oh, yeah. this podcast was fat, to, to was everything. Created, it was yeah. existential threat no, no, no. to everything. <laughs> the, yeah. po- the podcast, podcast, period, nothing else. First, um, first and foremost. <laughs> first and foremost. No, but just the, the idea that like this is a podcast that we created to review new movies every week. And we were suddenly faced with the prospect that there would be no new movies coming out, you know. And what what is the podcast? What is the podcast identity at that point? And a, a few things happened along the way, right? One is that I think for each of us, uh, the podcast became a meaningful way to get away from the challenges we were facing in the rest of our lives, right? Yeah, um, for sure. And the second thing, the second thing is that uh, over a thousand patrons were like, "Hey, we want this podcast to keep going." And between those two things, it felt like, okay, like this is something we should keep going. This is something we should keep, keep doing. You know, this is something people find valuable. We need to figure out a way to keep this going. 
For right. sure. That's, I mean, that's kind of we also lost... all the movie studios officially gave up and started putting <laughs> stuff online for us to watch. So that, that helped too. That made it super easy. We like listen, we lost so much this year. And I think like when I sit back and think about so much of like what is gonna be different once things are better, like the businesses and you know, the movie theaters we're losing and the people. Like it's this has been a year of loss. I feel like I'm grateful that the one thing we could keep going was this because we it was under, you know, our power to keep it going and we made it happen. So congrats, guys. I'm really grateful for this and for our listeners for yeah, staying so, tuned. So much for our listeners, too, and, and especially and for it, our patrons, too. Yeah. It's, it is so true and so kind of marvelous, truly, that a thousand people is enough, you know? I mean, I'd love to have more, obviously, but it's that's such a tiny fraction of the number of people that listen to the show. But those and, and we're grateful for everybody that listens. Anybody yeah, listening yeah, to yeah. our voices right now, thank you for, you know, time is a resource as well. And if you give us your time, we're we're very thankful. But the fact that such a tiny fraction of the number of people that listen to the show said, hey, this show is valuable to me, valuable enough that I will give you some of my hard earned money. Mm hmm. It is a powerful statement, and uh, I, I think we all maybe weren't even aware of how much it would mean until yeah, it happened. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, can, can I, I tell you guys what I do? By the way, like as I see our patreons tick up, is I imagine that we were actually because we were talking about this at some point of maybe doing a live show, right? That would be a lot of fun. But imagine if we sold out a theater with a thousand seats. What yeah, would that right. look like? You know, that would yeah. be astounding, and that's kind of how I felt like once we hit that. Yeah, I mean, except like arguably even more powerful because these people, yeah, are, many yeah. of them, are signing up to be you know ongoing folks. So anyway, don't don't like I don't want to like show every month. Yeah, doing, <laughs> it's it's like we're doing a live show broadcast on the internet once a week for the rest of our lives. Is really what it is <laughs> if you think about it. If you yeah. think about it. Wait, um, how long did I sign up for this? <laughs> well, you did sign in blood. You know, it's in the contract. Yeah. It's in the contract. Yeah. Jeff. I do until the heat death of the universe. The slash film cast shall yeah. continue. So those are some reflections on the year. It was a uh, it was a tough year, uh, but uh, I'm I'm glad you guys prioritize the podcast. I'm glad our listeners and our patrons prioritize the podcast. And um, I feel like we're gonna have a good year. I mean, I'm just gonna put this out in the universe. Like it's yeah, I, I like I, I, I'm hopeful that we'll have a good year for this podcast. We got a bunch of HBO Max movies lined up to review. That's for sure. <laughs> and and uh, maybe one day we'll get to the theater, but we'll talk about that later. Now, one other thing I also want to mention: this episode you're listening to right now, we are going to count down our top ten films of 2020. We're going to start at ten and go to one each of us. Um, at, we're also going to do our honorable mentions at the end of this. Then there are special categories. Uh, special categories like most disappointing movie, um, movie that we didn't get, things like that. That is going to be part of the After Dark that will be made available for everyone, including the folks listening on the general feed. Now, I, I know what some of you might be thinking. Um, wait, does that mean like next year, like we're not going to get to hear the special categories? And if you're not a Patreon subscriber, and my answer to that question is, I I think we'll probably make that one free as well. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. but. Um, just who knows to... what happens in a year? That, that's, a, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. You just don't know. You don't Listen, know guys, what's going to be. How much can year. change in a year, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there was only yeah. some metric by which we could measure <laughs> the change in a year. Indeed. Indeed. 
so anyway, just wanted to let people know uh, what's in store. But this episode is going to be counting down our top 10 of uh, 2020 uh, with some interruptions for our sponsors and also uh, our honorable mentions right at the end. So that is what is in store for us today. Any closing thoughts, folks, on making the list before we get to the actual countdown today? I found hey. it difficult this year. I found it, I, mm. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I say this every year and I just don't remember saying it every year, but I uh-huh. I found it, I, I really echo what, exactly what you said, Dave. Like I, I kind of locked into the like 10 to 12 movies that were contending pretty quickly, yeah. but then the, the shuffling of them was the hardest bit. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Here's, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there as well, uh-huh. is, uh, if the same exact number of movies or or not the same exact number, the same movies had been released this year, right? Like, so like there's no, no time to die or no fast nine, right? Like it's just the same set of movies, right. Had been released this year, but there was no pandemic. Right. Right. I don't know if my list would be the same. Yeah. Like if we get because, to see some of these huh. in theaters, it would be different. Be- because, because yeah. several movies on my list, I think, hit me real differently sure because sure. Yeah. there right. was a pandemic going on right like there was yeah. a resonance that some of these movies had that might there's some movies on here that i think in a non-pandemic situation i'd be like ah oh, that was that was fun but whatever <laughs> like not you know not yeah. essential like yeah. but because we watched it during pandemic because the events or the plot of the film resonated with things i was experiencing in my daily life it's now my top 10 list it's it's a movie I want to use to commemorate this year of my life, right? Mm, yeah, um, which is really what what this these lists are about. And yeah. you know, we've said this also is like lists are fluid; they change all the time. They're not they're not constant. And often, lit like film critics, uh, I know I do this, like use lists as an opportunity, not just to be like, here's my favorite films, or here's what I think are the best films, but uh, hey, there's a movie that you haven't heard of. Right. And right. Yes. more people listen yes. to this episode than probably any other episode of the year. And so I'm going to put this on my list because maybe you might listen to it and go watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. I definitely we, I, do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you, so, do you guys try to make like a well rounded list? Because I kind of think yes. of that. Yes. You know, like I, I got my highbrow, I got my lowbrow, I got, I got a bunch of different things. Yeah. I also think this will probably become clear as I reveal my list uh, through the episode. But I also think my sort of a headspace for what. I wanted to be thinking about was affected by the pandemic. Like, I think there are some movies that perhaps are uh, in a, in a less stressful year would have felt like more daring and interesting movies that I would have liked. And in this year, I feel like I just don't want to think about that movie anymore. I just, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't handle the stress of like, you know, it's fun to go in the in the apocalypse when there's not an actual apocalypse happening. I mean, I'm not <laughs> right, talking about right. any specific movie, but just as an example, you know, like it, like would fun. Mad Max Fury Road have been your number one if it had come out this year? <laughs> I mean, you know? probably, probably, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, imagine not being able to see that movie on a big screen. Mm. Oof. Uh, um, yeah. But uh, but what I'm saying is that kind of feeling of it's an escape until it's not an escape, you know. Right, and, then, right, right. and sometimes just the fact that it is an escape elevates it and and when it becomes not an escape and that's not always true right some movies where you have to face something that's really true and really real is what is so powerful about the film but i do think kind of what you're saying is true for me too that 
because of the pandemic, my list is slightly different and maybe a little, maybe slightly lighter than mm -hmm. I would have in another time, just because those are the movies looking back that I kind of want to remember and want to relive in my head. Yeah, exactly. I hear you. Uh, okay, one last thing before we be begin the list, and that is, uh, speaking of escapes, Jeff, uh, the podcast has worked pretty hard over the last few months. I hope it's been obvious. Like We've really uh, done a lot to prep for both the main episodes and the After Darks. And so next week, we are going to do a listener mailbag episode. I don't. We've rarely done this. Um, but uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you get first dibs on the questions. We'll, we'll put a post up at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. But also, you email into slash filmcast at gmail.com and get a question considered. Um, this will work best if your your email is like one, two, three paragraphs long, because if it's like eight paragraphs, I'm probably not going to read it. Mm -hmm. But next week, um, it's going to be all mailbag with an After Dark covering Small Axe, uh, episodes one through three. Um, so that is what is in store for next week. So, but if you want to get in some questions for our mailbag only episode, which we're, it's kind of, it's kind of our way of, uh, taking a little break from the well, yeah, podcast. But I don't think you should position it as a less than episode. I'm really excited about it. I, I think no. the, our listeners have awesome questions and I, yeah. I think it's going to be yeah. a really there, fun there episode. Is, no. There is no less than at all. It's, it is, <laughs> it is less than in the sense that it re will require less than the normal episodes <laughs> worth of prep from you. I, I agree with you guys. It's a, these are no way it like clip shows in sitcoms where you can really tell the writers just really needed a break, right? Like, yeah, it's our bottle episode. I was thinking yeah. of putting, you know, actually, I was thinking of putting together a clip clip show. I actually think that would be valuable at some point sure, because yeah. some of the episodes that we have are so old that it's like it's hard to like get them into the podcast app. Mm -hmm. And you like, know what would have made a great clip show episode, Dave? What is that, Jeff? Episode five hundred. Mm. Yeah. We thought to do that. We should have thought to do that a couple of years ago. I don't want to talk to you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think a fun one to do at some point would be like, uh, yeah, the the clips of all of our MCU reviews and, you know, mm. wrap that together <laughs> in a bow. That would be fun. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. All right. So anyway, slash filmcast at gmail.com or patreon.com slash film podcast. That's how you submit uh, letters for mailbag. And I, I agree. It's It should be super fun. Uh, but that is what is in store for next week. And uh, who knows? What's going to happen after that? Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Candid. Are you unhappy with your smile? You don't have to be. My wife was unhappy with hers. And thousands of people like her have used Candid. She used Candid, the clear, comfortable, removable, and practically invisible aligners to help straighten her teeth. And now it's so improved. She is so happy. And it was so simple. It was easy the average candid treatment is just six months. You'll start seeing results way before then, and it costs thousands less than traditional braces. Your treatment is prescribed and closely monitored remotely, safely, by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. And you'll have the same quality of care you'd get from in-office orthodontists from the comfort and convenience of your own home you don't have to leave. It's so simple. And while some other companies use general dentists, Candid only works with orthodontists. And with Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan is with you from start to finish, so you never have to wonder how you're doing. I was right there with my wife. Every step of the way, I helped take the pictures of her teeth when they were fitting the aligners. It was so simple. It was so easy. She just wore them and... Little by little, her smile improved so much. She was so pleased 
with how it went and how the process just was so simple. And now she's much happier with her smile. You can become your best you. Also, start straightening your teeth today. And right now you can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to candidco.com slash filmcast and use our code filmcast. That's candidco.com slash the word filmcast and promo code F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. That's candid, C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O dot com slash filmcast and promo code filmcast. All right, folks, let's get to our top 10 movies of 2020. Uh, and if I, I didn't mention this before guys, but if you could fill them out in the notes as we go along, that would be, that would be great. Uh, so uh, yeah, sure. Jefferson like we a bumper there. We needed some sort of top 10 2020, you know, it's kind of, kind of fun. Like, yeah, I think we just, I think we just got a bumper just now. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson Canada, your number 10 film of 2020. Honestly, number 10 was the hardest number for me to fill in because <laughs> there's uh, several mm-hmm. films jockeying for that position. Uh, I went with His House, nice. which is a deeply unsettling movie. And I started this whole process off saying, you know, I kind of went lighter on my list. This not not lighter. <laughs> number 10, yeah. not lighter. Uh, this is a, a movie that uh, provides insight into people and experiences that are almost never featured on screen. Uh, and it uses horror tropes to make a bigger, more human point. And I can't believe it's a first-time filmmaker. It's mm-hmm. It kind of got extra points just for that from me, too. Uh, but it is a movie that that put me through something. And um, it's not. it doesn't really feel like a horror movie, even though it uses horror tropes. And it really moved me. And I've, I found it to be an important film uh, and one that I have a hard time shaking. So His House is my number 10. All right. Uh, that's a great choice for number 10. Uh, it did not make my top 10. It is in my honorable mentions. I yeah. really like this movie and uh, people should check it out. It's a great horror film. You can check it out on Netflix right now. It's His House, Jeff's number 10. Great choice, Jeff. Devendra, your number 10 film of 2020. Uh, my number 10 film is similarly as deeply moving and shocking as his, as his house it is Borat's subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American wow. regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Got to got to give it the, you know, the the, the full, full title yeah, treatment. The full there. title treatment. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't want a sequel to Borat. I don't I don't really know many people who did, but I didn't expect it to be good. I didn't expect it to be one of the best movies of the year and um you know if we learned anything from 2020, nothing is certain. Right. And this movie to me is like 2020 in a bottle, just in terms of its weirdness and how it comments on America. And uh, it even managed to make some news on its own. So all I have to say is bravo, Borat. You are a treasure. Yeah. All right. Made yeah. my honorable mentions for sure. Yeah. It's Borat uh, subs. Go ahead, Jeff. I, thought, I, I just want to say, I don't think anybody thought that we'd be talking about Borat in our top exactly. 10. Exactly. You know, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's a remarkably it's good there. sequel. It's a remarkably, yeah. uh, might, it's an achievement, yeah. I think. And funny might not be and the last, moving. Yeah. Might not be the last time we're talking about it in our top 10. Oh, so, well, yeah. well, well. Uh, okay, so that's Devendra's top uh, number 10 Borat subsequent movie film. I My really number- thought I was the one who liked that movie most out of the three of us. That's so funny. Go ahead. Mm. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> 
Okay, my number ten film, guys. It's it's a bit of a curveball. Okay, uh, but my number ten film is Hamilton. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done. But just you wait. Just you wait. Nice. Uh, I wasn't sure if yeah. we were including that. <laughs> Listen, you could do what you want. It's your list. Yeah, I you mean... I, I, I will say this, like, there's a whole debate right now on film Twitter over, like, what is a film? What is a TV show? <laughs> you know, and, uh, like, this is particularly relevant with regards to Steve McQueen's small axe films. Yes, right. And I, I'm just going to be honest, like, I don't care. Like, I, it doesn't... <laughs> it's especially yeah. right now. It, yeah, it's especially, all TV. Right. Correct, correct. Well, I, I, it was much easier before because mm-hmm. when there was a movie theater's open, you could say, oh, it, it played in a movie theater. It's a movie. Um, but now it's a lot more difficult and I just, it's not something I want to spend any time devoting my attention to. So, well, can uh, I spend some time devoting your attention to it for one second? Please. Um, <laughs> just as a hypothetical, I'm just curious Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if there was no pandemic, I know Hamilton would have still been like another year away, I think, yeah, but, yeah. Yes. um, if it had come out this year in the same way it did on Disney plus, would you have still considered it if we had been going to see movies in theaters the whole time, normal slash film cast, and then Hamilton comes out on Disney Plus the way it was going to, would you have still thought about it for your list? I'm curious. Um, yes. So, okay, here's the deal with Hamilton. Yes, it is a conservative, it's it's fundamentally a conservative, problematic retelling of the country's founding that manages to make a lot of slaveholders look pretty badass. But <laughs> But I still think it deserves a lot of credit for showing us where, what the musical form can be. The casting yeah. was obviously yeah. subversive and gave lots of opportunities. Uh, star-making turns to many actors uh, that we respect and watch in TV shows and films to this day. Um, the reason it's my number 10 is because it took me to emotional heights that few other films did this year, right? Which is just that... I loved watching Hamilton in uh, at the Pantages in Los Angeles when I watched it live, but being able to watch it with um, subtitles, subtitles and understand yeah. everything that was happening and and also just like really they did a great job filming. I think they had like what six, eight, ten cameras filming everything. It's it's like an expensive production it's they a did good production, to, yeah, to put it on onto Disney Plus and uh, and it felt it's like the closest approximation to live theater. I had this year uh, after the pandemic started. And uh, and so would I have thought of it as a film? Yes, Jeff. Would it have been in my top 10? Not sure. But I do think, uh, not sure because of what I said, which is that maybe I'm giving it some bonus points because it's like, this is replicating live theater for me as close as possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's some value to that for me. Um, but what is definitely true is, I mean, there's just some incredible emotional heights that this this musical takes me to um because fundamentally it's a hopeful telling of america's founding it's it's about uh how like when when uh the the moment of history is upon you like when when history has its eyes on you as it were um what will you do and it it's a it's a challenge as much as it is 
a, a retelling of what's happened. It's a, it's about like America is a country that is constantly being reinvented, that is constantly bettering itself, and uh, and I think it's a be, between that and the amazing uh, changes to the form that it it brings to life, um, and the creativity of the staging. Uh, I uh, I really appreciated watching it. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. problematic. It has issues. I get it. I, I feel I feel guilty putting it on here, but no, I cannot deny my feel. I, I as, as a package, it is so it is so compelling, right? Yeah. Like that's that's I, that's how I kind of have to judge these things. We can judge issues, you know, on top of all that too. Yeah, did that yeah, I did not. Jeff? I did not consider it. I did not consider it, and uh, I that's not to diminish Hamilton. I thought I thought it was incredible, but I. I just did not consider it for my top 10 films of the year. All right. Well, well, you know, probably if I would say if uh, if there was no pandemic or if we had seen this come out in theaters like like it was supposed to, you probably would have been more motivated to consider it as a yeah. as perhaps. Movie, right? yeah, yeah, if it perhaps. had been out in theaters, actually. OK, yeah, well, that's my number 10. Let's get to our number nines. Jeff Kanata, your number nine film of 2020. My number nine film of 2020 is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Mm. This is from writer, director, and star Jim Cummings. Uh, I saw his first film, too, and it didn't land with me the way this one did. It, it's, it's, um, it's an amazing movie in that it uses sci-fi, and, or more fantasy, and mystery as a backdrop to explore its characters, these deeply flawed characters. And... It is unexpected and really interesting, and it has twists and turns that make for really compelling yarn. I, I really was surprised by it. I thought it was uh, very fun, beautifully shot, and I never quite knew exactly what it was leading to. Um, I don't. Did either of you guys see The Wolf of Snow Hollow? I did not a have a chance to check it out. I didn't know. I knew you liked it. I didn't know it would be like top ten material. Mm-hmm. If I did, maybe yeah. I would have in advance. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I recommend. Basically, it. I it's think on you, you Jeff. It it's on you that I didn't check it out. You're, it's your fault. Yeah, well, you know, it's not going to be the worst <laughs> worst transgression I make this episode. That's for sure. <laughs> that's Jeff's number nine, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Divinger Hardware, you're number nine. My number nine was a movie I didn't expect to love so much. It is Birds of Prey. Wow, nice. Yes. All right. And a I genuine had, blockbuster on your list. Yes. It's a block well, it was it's not a big budget movie in the way that, you know, a lot of other superhero films it's are. No this Bad Boys 3, the top grossing film of 2020, guys. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- this is a smaller movie, but I have to say, like, thinking back at the things I really enjoyed this year and the things I love sharing with people too, like I watched this movie with my wife. Um, we had a lot of fun with it too. This was, you know, in the before times when we could see movies in the theater. I had a blast with that theatrical audience. This movie is so much fun. It basically saves the Harley Quinn character, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, from the disaster that was Suicide Squad. It is like it's a ton of fun. I love all these characters. I love all these actors, and the action is just a blast. So. It is like the the popcorn movie I keep going back to this year when I kind of want something fun and uh, bright and shiny. So I really love this movie. Wow, that's that's Birds of Prey, and it's Devendra's number nine. And uh, yeah, interesting choice, Devendra. Uh, definitely a movie I enjoyed as well. Uh, and I think Margot Robbie brings a lot to that role. So uh, cool choice. You brought up the Bad Boys, uh, and somebody on Twitter, a friend of mine on Twitter, said. Uh, that you know, it's official. Bad Boys is the you know biggest blockbuster of 2020, and I responded by saying, 
Uh, you know, it's a bit like me saying my walk around the block was my biggest family vacation of 2020. Sure. It's mm-hmm. technically Have you seen true. Bad Boys for Life. No, I haven't. It's, it's, it's Jeff, really you have good. not watched the it's top really grossing good. film of 2020? <laughs> I have not. I this have is not. like, you, you're basically missing out on the Avatar yeah. of 2020, Jeff. Well, I'm you're glad you guys got to step words. on my joke. The only point of me bringing it up was to tell the joke, and you guys <laughs> stepped all over it. it all these yeah. facts are getting in the way of Jeff's uh, humor. I'm yeah. sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry. That sucks. That's okay. Middle of right. explaining my tweet. How uh, dare you? <laughs> This the podcast is preemptively over. You were tweet blocked. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, okay. My number nine film of 2020 is Borat's subsequent movie film. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I have a baby inside me, mm-hmm. and I want to take it out of me. Mm-hmm. Right. She want it out now, please. Right. I Can mean, you take it out? No, we cannot. What you say, take it out. Yes. You end that life. That that life will die. It's already dead. It's not living. No. It is a living, breathing life that God has created. I don't think he's breathing. Um, so why is this my number nine film of 2020? Uh, here's what I'm going to say, that one of the great things about the original Borat is revealing that people will act racist uh, and cook up all kinds of conspiracy theories and behave weirdly. Sure. And and that, unfortunately, is no longer a surprise. <laughs> it turns uh, out you don't need to dress up as anybody to find that out. <laughs> yes. Huge bummer. Huge bummer. Um, and, and so uh, that, that component of the film it has totally lost its teeth. But what does have a sharper edge is the original Borat felt more like, a, hey, aren't all Americans silly? Isn't the idea of America so silly? Mm-hmm. You know? Look at all the, the contradictions inherent in America. Uh, that no longer feels like what the target of Borat's uh, uh, or Sasha Baron Cohen's, uh, mm. you know, uh, where his his uh, crosshairs are targeted at. It's more about uh, this administration and the people that enable it. Yeah. Uh, it's less of an equal opportunity offender, and it's more pointedly about uh, the forces of darkness that are threatening to take over this country and this democracy. But beyond uh, finding a funny way to illustrate those things, I will say this. I could not stand most content this year that was about the pandemic. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of stuff that's like, hey, we made a movie over Zoom. Hey, this is the thing about how we're all apart right now. And I'm just like, I don't need to watch this. I'm living it every day. Right? This is the only piece of content on my top 10 list that actually directly addresses the pandemic. And does so in a way that's funny, that's subversive, uh, and that is uh, very frequently dangerous. So for all those reasons, Borat's subsequent movie film, my number nine film of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I I, uh, I left it on my honorable mentions, but I'm kind of regretting it now that you guys both yeah, put it on really your list. really letting us down over here, Jeff. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You know, I think about this, like when we... Talk to future generations about what was just what was going on in 2020, guys. Right? Give, give me give me a primer about what America was like <laughs> in the year 2020. I'll probably put on Borat subsequent movie film and just be like, "Hey guys, it was it's pretty crazy. You wouldn't believe it, but this was all real." You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except for the Borat guy, he's fake. Um, By the way, but, I watched that uh, that Netflix uh, thing like 2020. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I don't know. It's I thought pretty, it was all right. Oh, it's fun. Uh, There's some parts that I found amusing. Did no? it did it make it onto your top ten list, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, it's next, number eight. <laughs> Jeff Kanata, 
what is your number eight film of 2020? My number eight film is Bad Education. Which this is, is this is a great choice, by the way. It was choice. like in my yeah. in my honorable mentions. Yeah. It yeah. didn't quite make it, but yeah, great choice. Tell me what you. I loved this movie. I it's a crazy story, full of charm. The leads are so charming. Uh, it's like what if Goodfellas was set in a school, <laughs> in a public <laughs> you know? high school, basically. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's it's you know movies about hubris always have this vicarious joy, and this one does that so well. Uh, you know, it, it, I just. I loved the roller coaster ride of it. Uh, I thought the the performances were great. Um, it, it this is a sort of a a classic rise and fall story. Yeah, but done in a completely unique milieu. I I I thought it was great. It really is the mundane Goodfellas, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Like, all yeah. my life, I wanted to be a principal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so good, and I mean, is there anything Hugh Jackman can't do at no. this point, right? Yeah. He's yeah. the greatest he's showman. showman, he's Wolverine, yeah. you know, like, it's just like, yeah. and then he could play this really tortured character that's a pathological liar. It's just, he's amazing in this. The movie's great. It is about the school system, but it's also about America. It's a great choice, Jeff. Uh, that's Thanks. Jeff's number eight. It's Bad Education. Divinger Hardware, your number eight film. My number eight movie is The Invisible Man. I loved Lee Whannell's Invisible Man. Like this is this was the last film I saw in theaters before we had to shut down. This film was released on February 28th. So I distinctly remember. Actually, I saw it twice in the theater because I loved it so much. This movie is such a lean thriller. Like that's kind of just what I love about it. It's lean and solid, but also has so much to say about abuse and the lingering effects of being in an abusive relationship and the gaslighting that's involved and everything around that. It's so effective without having a huge budget. Um, like I think, I think back to so many of these sequences in this movie and I just feel like this guy's channeling everything I love about John Carpenter movies, you know, just simple, effective scenes that are shot well, that can shock you, you know, just with the simple cut or something. Um, I love this movie completely. I would actually argue that, one of the great, I mean, the movie is low budget, no doubt. About yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But one of the great achievements of The Invisible Man, which I think was also the last film I saw in theaters, is it kind of tricks you into thinking it is ultra low budget. But like, if you look at some of those making of, like how they oh, did yeah, some of the, yeah. in the special features, like, you know, there's a scene when a character has a fight with The Invisible Man. And if you watch how that's filmed, like that character literally, they had to shoot that scene multiple times using a motion control camera right so it's you know the characters fighting the one where they're fighting a person in a green suit one where they're fighting nothing one with just the just the background you know and it, so much work goes into it but it, it's not obvious to the viewer you're right. not a like, lot of oh, work well, they... goes into it but also yeah. like th those things those computerized cameras right it is it's cheaper to do that now than it was like 10 years ago right so Correct. you could do it in a Correct. film like this yeah 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 it's so true but but uh, i guess i'm just saying like yeah, I think yeah. they worked their ass off to make it seem like they weren't working their asses off. You yeah, know? agreed. Uh, and I think it works. Uh, and it's it's really great. It's really well done. And it's one of the biggest hits of the year, too. So uh, well-deserved. The Invisible Man, great choice, Devendra. That's Devendra's number eight. Time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. I love it when I get to talk about HelloFresh. That's because I use it every single week. I'm so excited. It has improved my life immeasurably. Why? Because I get to make fresh meals 
cooked at home for my family every single week. It has expanded the menu options that we have. We eat much more varied meals. I don't have to worry about buying things at the grocery store to prepare meals. I don't have to worry about figuring out what we're going to make that night. All of that is handled for me. I don't throw away extra ingredients that I bought too much of. Pre-portioned, pre-measured ingredients, mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to my door. I love it. These days, I do not need to be stressed out about meal planning. And I can enjoy cooking. I have learned to love the act of cooking for my family. I get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh has a huge variety of menu items. 23 or more recipes a week featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you never get bored. Part of the fun for me is getting on their app and selecting our recipes weeks in advance and then being surprised when they show up in the in, in, on my doorstep and I get to see what I picked weeks ago. Oh, it's so much better. I can cut down on grocery bills and food waste. I'm not overbuying. I love it. Can I tell you what I made tonight? Tonight for my family? Pork flautas supreme. You think I'd be making pork flautas supreme if I was just figuring it out on my own? No way. No way. It's so simple. They arrive in a, a, a wonderful, simple bag that I can just pop into the fridge. And then when it's time to make them, pull it out, start cooking. It's on the table fast. It's fresh. I know what's in it. So it's healthier. You got to get under this lifestyle. I can't even tell you. I've been doing this for years now, and I absolutely love it. So go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast10. Use the promo code FilmCast10. You get 10 free meals. Wow. Including free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast10. H-E-L-L-O-F-R-E-S-H dot com slash FilmCast10 and promo code FilmCast10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Let's talk about my number eight, which is Minari. This is one of those, this is the, this is the only Damn movie you. on my list. Damn you, David Chen. Cheater, yeah. cheater. This is the only movie yeah. on my list. <laughs> this is the only movie on my list that I think is like not easy to watch. So I won't say too much about it. Um, but it's a very simple story about a Korean American family trying to live out the American dream. And even I though I'm not, this. Kore- I'm not Korean. This. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You will, you will be able yeah. to in a couple months. Um, uh, even though I'm not Korean, there's so many components of my upbringing. I recognize in this story. It captures the profound beauty and striving and the familial relationships and the loneliness of the immigrant experience. I loved it. And you should check it out uh, when it comes out next year. I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm actively now, sorry. I put this on. Listen, what if Devendra and I think this movie is good enough to put on our 2021 list? Now what? Now we're listen, we're, listen, Jeff, we cannot expect Dave to share early access to something, right? We already know <laughs> what happened. <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, I mean, okay. How many friends did you watch this with Dave? Um, <laughs> All his bubble friends, myself, I'm sure. Or, yeah, um, <laughs> Jeff sounds so bitter about it. Yeah. All right, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can, you, you, it's eligible for your top t- of 2021. Okay, you can do it that way. Yeah, well, I'll cut to fun. next year when Dave's like, yawn. That was on my list last year. <laughs> Are you you guys just saw yeah, that? That's, cool, cool. That sounds cool. like me, Jeff. That's a good impression of me. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, uh, Jeff, your number seven. 
My number seven is Vast of Night. Wow. I loved this movie. I, I freely admit that if it had a stronger ending, I would have liked it even more. It would have been even higher on my list. But the first 90% of this movie is absolutely incredible. It's one of the, for me, it's one of those, you know, I forget to breathe movies. I was listening so intently. I was so invested in the story. I was hanging on every moment, holding my breath, watching this movie. It's, it's incredible. It does things that are daring and unbelievable. And it does it on what is basically a very small budget, very small scale film. I absolutely loved Vast of Night. I thought there, there are scenes in this that are, I think are perfect, just perfect. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I love the opening act. There's a sequence where basically the screen just goes black for many minutes at a time. It's extraordinary. Uh, I, I just wish the ending was stronger. If the ending was stronger, I think this would be in my top five for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as is, I still think it is a worthy number seven vast of night. Interesting, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I, I remember us all like really appreciating this film, and I'm glad that uh, it resonated with you so much. I do want to call something out real quick, which is that uh, a few of these movies that we have on our list, uh, like Vast of Night, are uh, distributed by Prime Video, which is uh, part of a company that I work for right now. I used to work for Prime Video and therefore would not comment on any uh -huh. of these movies. I no longer work for Prime Video, um, so you can. So, so I don't know if I don't know if that's I don't know if I go that far, but uh, I am going to. <laughs> I'm going to. So, <laughs> so you uh, don't know if you'd go that far, but you are going that far. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Jeff's uh, number seven. It's Vast of Night. You can stream it right now on Prime Video. Uh, interesting low budget sci fi film. Devendra Hardware, your number seven. My number seven is The Five Bloods. I think this movie is a masterpiece from Spike Lee. It reckons with America's history in Vietnam, but also how this country fails black people in general and black veterans in particular. It's a fascinating exploration of a lifelong, very long friendship and brotherhood. And it can be an adventure when it needs to be. And also, I think just fascinating in that it's a very damning indictment of the brain infection that is Trumpism. Give Delroy mm. Lindo his Oscar. He deserves it after this movie. Delroy Lindo is incredible in this film. So good. He, he so deserves incredible. a Best Supporting Actor nomination, if not win, for what he does in this film. It is it is amazing. Um, and supporting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to characterize. I don't know how it, it's going to yeah, work, but yeah, but he's he's amazing. There, there's a uh, yeah. I, I won't give anything away, but what he does yeah. in this film is just unlike anything I've seen any other actor do this year. But here, um, here's the thing: I, I can't think of when Delroy Lindo is ever not amazing. You know, like this guy, <laughs> so he's true. so good. He's always good. And it's I so feel true. like this is the time. This is, he earns it for this. Agreed. That's the five bloods. Uh, it's Devendra's number seven. Great choice, Devendra. All right. So I told you guys I watched like a ton of films uh, mm -hmm. this this past week, mostly because I was confined to my couch recuperating from my, uh, my medical situation. But uh, I, uh, of those films, only one of them made my top 10 list. Uh, and that is my number seven, uh, Mangrove from the small act series. Very nice. Video. Very yeah. nice. Um, so I, I hate doing this because, you know, it, it, it's, it's not really a fair comparison, but the parallels between this movie and Aaron Sorkin's the trial of Chicago seven are mm. undeniable. Like the, the plot points are very, very similar 
But there's a huge difference, which is that Mangrove centers the black experience uh, in a way that Trial of Chicago 7 did not. It also is directed by Steve McQueen, who I think everyone can agree is an incredibly talented visual stylist. Yeah. Just a bit and better than Aaron Sorkin, I think. I mean, Aaron Sorkin is no slouch, but like you sure. then you watch you watch Trial of Chicago 7, then you watch Mangrove. And I, I'm realizing that like, I, I know I'm saying this, but I know that probably Trial of Chicago 7 is going to appear on someone's list later on. Um, <laughs> and at the same time as all that's true, because of those differences between Trial of Chicago 7 and Mangrove, this movie just feels so much more vital and relevant in a year where the United States was roiled by social unrest over the treatment of black people by police. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's incredibly emotional. There's performances that are just like unbelievable. The resonance it has with our modern day, with 2020, it cannot be denied. For those reasons, it's my number seven film of 2020. It's Mangrove from the Small Act series right now on Prime Video. It's the first one of the series check it out. So I'll have to come clean about something. Last night I decided, you know, I, I need to watch at least one of these small acts films before yes. we do the top 10 yeah. list. Yeah. Steve McQueen, yeah. made so, five movies, I, you got to watch one. Come and on. I turned it on and I went, Mangrove is 128 minutes <laughs> and Lover's Rock is 78 minutes. Yeah, buddy. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I went with Lover's Rock, uh, which I, I thought was was beautiful, but it, it did not make my list. Um, right. Same. Same. So now I really want to see Mangrove, but I, ju- I literally made the decision based on running time, uh, and I feel bad about that. I'm but. not going to lie, Jeff. That I did the exact same thing. I was like, uh, well, i got to watch one of these things. Uh, Lover's Rock, 78 minutes. Whew, we can get, sure. get this done before dinner. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. we, we watched it. We watched it as a bubble, and then... Um, uh, liked it so much that we're like, okay, I got to watch Mangrove. And then Mangrove uh, is a far more quote-unquote conventional film yeah. than uh, Lover's Rock. Like, it has a much more conventional structure. And, you know, Dave Chen, Dave Chen likes his conventional things uh, and occasionally the unconventional thing. So uh, that's why it's my number seven. But I'd recommend you check this one out, Jeff. Very eager to watch it. I am very eager to watch it. I, I, uh... That's my number seven. Jeff Kanata, your number six film of 2020. My number six film of 2020 is First Cow. Nice choice, Jeff. Very is nice a movie choice. that I have thought about so much since I've seen it. Um, it. It's one of those ones that has just hung with me. It is unique. It is unforgettable. It is a movie that in the first 20 minutes to a half an hour, I was not enjoying. And 100%. 100%. It felt, felt exactly the same way. Yeah. And then uh, it, it turned, it won me over so profoundly that it is now number sixth on my list. <laughs> Quite, the Quite the turnaround. Quite the turnaround. It's really not like any other movie I've ever seen. Uh, it, it, the setting is dirty and grimy and fascinating. Like it is, it is a view of the gold rush that I've never really seen quite depicted that way with characters I've never quite seen, with relationships that I've never quite seen. It, it is a small scale drama that feels large scale. There's so much about it that I like. It is um, truly a unique movie, and I give it so much credit for that. And there's one that has stuck with me for for you know ever since I've seen it. So, First Cow, number six. Great choice. Uh, this is in my honorable mentions. It's it's really interesting. Like you said, it's unique. Uh, it, no other film tells any kind of story like this. But right. it, it's it, you know what's what what I think is true about a lot of these movies in our top tens. Right. Is like 
Um, pretty much every single one is about something, right? Yes. And yeah. And First Cow is it's like most of these movies that we're talking about, like they're not just genre exercises. They're just they're they have a lot to say about America, about capitalism, right? About racism, yeah. and uh, and that's certainly true of First Cow. So great choice. Uh, that's Jeff's number six. How about your number six, Devendra? My number six movie is Martin Eden. This was a year where we couldn't travel, we couldn't really go anywhere, so I really looked at a lot of movies as a form of escapism in a way, and this is a movie I've been eager to see for a while. It is a ravishing adventure. You know, it tells the story of a poor, unschooled man who builds himself up. He has all these ideas, and he's very charismatic, and he thinks he can change the world, and... I'm not going to spoil much about what happens in this movie. I think it ultimately ends up being kind of an indictment of individualism, but it is really fascinating to see where this character goes and how far he goes. It's a romantic film. It's a beautiful film. I love a good like European epic, you know, and this just really fits the bill for me. So I love this movie. Um, You know, it's a blast. It is based on a Jack London novel. It's kind of hard to reconcile the fact that it's basically transplanting that very American story into Italy, but it also does so many amazing things, right? It like throws in some stock footage from different time periods. This is a movie that seems unset in time. I can't think of a better farewell to, you know, the 1900s than this, because this movie kind of evokes so many things that have happened, you know, throughout the decades during the 1900s. It's Martin year Eden. For, big year mm-hmm. for Jack London movies. Seriously. You know, what's the that, what's the other one? Got that Harrison Ford vehicle, Call of the Wild. <laughs> Did that come out this year? Yeah, baby. Oh my gosh, Jesus! Wow, <laughs> I, I didn't see it. That came that it came, came out, out in February year. of twenty. Oh my god! Dude. Sure, yeah. yeah. Right around when Parasite won Best Picture. Remember when that happened? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm. okay. Uh, Martin Eden is Devendra's number six choice. Uh, you can watch it on Kino Marquee. Support a local theater while doing so. Please do. Uh, I'd recommend doing that. Uh, it, it, this was not a movie that I love, Divindra, but uh, again, I, I relish the opportunity to learn more about you two through the movies you love. And so uh, I, I did check it out. And uh, it, it's definitely something where I can understand why some people, this would be their thing. So mm-hmm. Martin Eden, Divindra's number six. My number six is Possessor. Possessor is All right. uh, a really great, <laughs> a great sci-fi thriller. Uh, and what is, what I love so much about it is the imagery is indelible. Uh, much of it is captured in camera, right? Like as far as I understand, there's like very little, if any CG, like all these cool effects are done in camera, which is just, you rarely see for a sci-fi film these days. And uh, I, I love the inventiveness of that. I love that uh, the movie has these kind of broader themes around who you are and what, like, mm-hmm. who, who, like what your identity is, and like you're, we are, we feel ourselves. We're constantly performing for the benefit of other people, um, the people in our lives, um, the people who are listening to this podcast right now, the people who are host co-hosts of this podcast right now. You know, is is this person you're hearing right now, me, David Chen, really? Uh, and the, the movie Possessor Asset, like what, what is the difference between the person, the persona you take on and you, um, what happens when those things kind of blend together in a way you can't fully distinguish from each other. But beyond all that, it's nice that after all this time of watching movies, something can still shock you. Yeah. And, and gross uh, you out. That's yeah. cer- <laughs> gross you out. Like just really stun you with the gore 
in a way that feels transgressive and upsetting. And this movie did that. And that's why it's my number six movie of the year, Possessor. Jeff, you still uh, still not interested in watching after all our praise for this film? Nope. Not really. <laughs> all right. Just just new new heights of gore in cinema, Jeff. Yeah. I, I really I mean, feel like this is up your alley. I'm not, you know, I'm not a delicate flower. I probably could handle it. I just, I'm just not interested. I, this doesn't sound interesting to me, but more power to you. All right. Let's, uh, we're about halfway through our list now. Halfway yeah. through. Top five, baby. Top five. This is when it gets real, guys. Okay. Yeah. Jeff, you're number five. Number five for me is Boys State. My name is Steven Garza, and I'm running to be our party's nominee for governor. A little bit about myself. Um, I come from a very modest family. Um, and my passion has been politics. Um, the way I wanted to run my campaign was very different from most. I wanted to know what was on your minds and ask you what issues matter to you. Dave, you described Borat subsequent movie film as the most 2020 movie on your list. This to me is the most 2020 movie on my list. Uh, this is a, an incredible documentary full of fascinating kids. It has insight into tribal thinking, which couldn't be more relevant to now. Uh, it, it, it is directly about the mess that our country and our world is in right now. And I know that I'm alone in this last bit, but I also found it very hopeful and inspiring too. Um, I, I just thought it was a powerful documentary and uh, a comment on our times. Uh, Boy State is streaming right now on Apple TV Plus. This is a great movie, Jeff. I definitely really worth like this. watching. Yeah, yeah. No, no matter how you end up feeling about it, it's definitely worth it. It's an experience you should sit through to really unlock a lot about this country. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, one of the great things about this movie is as i mentioned during our review of it uh if you if you ask me to make a list of things i don't give a crap about uh one of them would be uh a bunch of texas boys right doing a rep creating a representative government at a summer camp um don't really care this movie makes that event seem riveting and relevant uh and yeah, i think it's a great sure. choice for your number five boy Thanks. state divinder hardwar your number five my number five movie is Thomas Vinterberg's Another Round. I've yet to see a movie that really explores our relationship with alcohol this much. Uh, maybe that documentary, uh, what was it? Empty Pockets. Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets kind of comes close. This movie is a fascinating portrayal of midlife crisis. And it really, it does kind of ex like explore that relationship we have with alcohol you know why do we drink this poison does it actually make us feel better it kind of does at the beginning anyway um and what really drives us to do this to ourselves can we be happy without it this movie explores quite a bit um but mostly i think mads mickelson i think of Matt Mickelson in this film, you know slowly breaking down when he's having drinks with his friends and they're like buddy what's wrong and he just he just starts crying, like quietly crying too. Like it just it kind of builds up because he's like, guys, I just my life sucks because my wife hates me and I feel like I'm directionless in life. And it is just it is so maybe because I'm nearing that point of mid age where I'm like, mm, I, I can certainly see like there's a point in your life where all of your um you know all the things you worry about, all of your doubts and concerns and uh 
yeah, all the things you feel like you messed, missed out on kind of coalesce at some point. And this movie kind of hits that perfectly. So yeah, I love it. And I love, I love Matt. So I feel like he did a great portrayal here of this particular type of crisis. Uh, Matt Mickelson, amazing protagonist for this movie. Uh, a lot of range. The bubble, uh, yeah. the COVID yeah. bubble man watched Casino Royale recently. He's great in that film. Yeah. Uh, also, he can go from Hannibal to being a sad, you know, 40 something bad teacher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is him after Hannibal's given up on the eating people thing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, true fact uh, Mads Mikkelsen worked and trained as a gymnast and ballet dancer before he began mm-hmm. his career. They're and, a really relevant uh, fact for this movie. May, may yeah. or may not be relevant as you yeah. watch Another Round, which is a fun choice for Devendra's number five film of 2020. Let's get to my number five. My number five film of 2020 is Palm Springs. Palm Springs Very available nice. right now on Hulu. Uh, this is uh, the Andy Samberg uh, Groundhog Day-esque romantic comedy. And uh, the movie puts a fresh spin on this Groundhog Day genre uh, by making it a romantic comedy. Uh, and kind of kind of exploring what would it be like if you were stuck in a time loop with someone else. The thing is, many of us were this year, you know? And yeah. what I mean by that yeah. is yeah. we were stuck uh, inside. If we were lucky, we were stuck inside with a, uh, a roommate or a romantic partner, uh, repeating days that felt very similar because uh, for many of us who aren't essential workers, um or not working on the front lines of the pandemic. Thank you to all who are. Uh, we were staying indoors and trying to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. And therefore, every day felt like the same. Uh, and this movie really brought that malaise to life mm-hmm. in a way that was inventive, in a way that was funny, and in a way that really struck close to home. I got a lot out of it. Um, I think it says a lot about like, what it is we're looking for in a partner uh, to to engage in this daily humdrum of existence with. And uh, yeah, so that's why it's my number five. It's a movie I, I really enjoyed. And, great uh, Such a great pick, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's my number five. Let's get to number four is Jeff Kanata, your number four movie of 2020. Number four for me is The Nest. Big night then. No, not really. Just been working too hard. What line of work are you in? I pretend I'm rich. <laughs> Why'd you pretend? I don't know. She's such a powerful, affecting movie. Uh, there's no real antagonist in the nest other than life itself, which is kind of how I felt this year quite frequently that life is hard, even with the best of intentions. And this movie dramatizes that in a very, uh, beautiful, affecting way. And, uh, I wanted to be around these people. I liked seeing their lives, peeking into their lives to relate to their struggles. Um, it, it moved me the, the night that I saw it, it. It was it kind of hit me in a very particular way, and I, I you know, I it means a lot to me. This movie, The Nest, it's a beautiful film. It's a great choice. This was uh, on my honorable mentions. I uh, I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, Jude Law is I mean Carrie Coon is always great. 
Yes. But Jude Law, in my opinion, MVP of this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of a Hugh Jackman-esque character from uh, Bad yeah. Education, you know. Um, this is a movie just filled with roles. heavy hitters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I loved uh, what this movie is trying to say about consumerism and our desire for more. You know, now that now that we're talking about it, kind of a similar theme to Wonder Woman, if you guys think about it, mm. we, which is this Basically movie has a movie. This movie has a yeah. lot in common with is what I'm trying. to I say. I mean, Kara Coon is a true Wonder Woman. Come on, true, <laughs> I, dude. I'm so in love with her. Mm. Yeah, indeed. but I, you know that scene in Wonder Woman where uh, they have to put that horse in the ground is pretty crazy. Yeah, that, was a, that was a dumb shot. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty, pretty bad, Jeff. Pretty bad. Uh, you tried. Halfway through it, I wanted to <laughs> escape. Yeah, yeah. No, it's too late now, though. Um, and now we've stopped to talk about it too. So mm, yeah, it makes it doubly bad. No, no one is going to notice. Mm. Devendra, your number four movie of twenty twenty. I guess we're going to have a bit of a Palm Springs moment because my number four movie is The Nest, and hey. wow. just like you, Jeff, just Amazing. like you, in sync. In sync, totally. Like, I, I love this movie. These people are endlessly compelling. This movie is confounding and compelling so many ways. Um, you know, like we were talking about this. At first, it seems like, oh, this seems like a story about a, a decent marriage. Anything could happen. This movie could be about anything. Yeah. But I think what it ultimately ends up being is it kind of reveals the depth someone can go to pretend to be successful. It's a film about the difficulty of living an honest life in a capitalist world. And it is like, it is just so fascinating to watch these two dance around each other. And that's it. Like, I just want to watch this family and I want the best for these kids, these poor kids who are trying to support each other while their parents are like off trying to find themselves. And their dad is a serial liar and is just so good at it. And their mom is having an existential crisis about all this. Um, It it is fascinating. I I think back to so many moments of this film so often. It is so well told. Um, I have to say too, like uh, towards the end of the year, I was basically buying all these indie movies that we were watching and I started just renting like towards the end. And this is one of the ones where it's like, damn, I should have just bought it because I want to rewatch it immediately. And that's going to be true for another one later on, too. Well, that's The Nest. It's Jeff and Avenger Hardware's number four. My number four movie of 2020 is The Invisible Man. Uh, so, wow. yeah, Devinger had this on his list. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the greatest, the best movies of the year. Not only is it a reinvention of the classic character, it's executed exceptionally well. Uh, there's no movie that looks like this because this movie uses negative space in a master, in a masterful way and leaves the audience anticipating what might be there. Right. And you're just, you're staring at like an empty shelf or a chair, <laughs> a for corner most of the room. Movie. Yeah. Right. And you're just like, no, you're not. It. You're staring at the invisible man, David. Or are you is the question. Ooh. Or are you? Um, oh, are they? Anyway, okay, sorry, that's a Rushmore reference. Um, so, yeah, The Invisible Man is great, and Elizabeth Mon, uh, Elizabeth Moss, I should say, uh, is at her uh, firing on all cylinders in this movie. I th- think she is yeah. amazing. But as you've also indicated, Devinger, it's not just a great horror thriller. It's also about uh, the cycles of abuse in a relationship. It's about uh, how gaslighting can occur and and uh, what happens when that manifests in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I really enjoyed it, appreciated it. It's The Invisible Man. Uh, you can stream it right now on HBO Max, actually. So it's Boy, my... They, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. What's well, my word. number four film of the year? That's yeah. all I was going to say. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, I, not to, I don't want to you know, throw any uh, cold water on it, either of you. I think it's a wonderful choice. I, I, I just really... The ending of this movie really soured it for me. I just didn't think it stuck the landing at all. But hmm. uh, Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
sorry to hear that. But uh, anyway, let's move on, guys. Top three. Top three. Getting close Top now. Top three. Woo. Nitty gritty. Jefferson. Jefferson. Number three. Your number three film of 2020. My number three film of the year of our Lord, 2020, is Kajillionaire. Whoa. Nice. Wow. Bold choice, Jeff. Bold it's choice. so my jam, this movie. So my jam. I mean, I love quirky, offbeat, surreal movies. This one is is all of that, and it's also about how we all want to be loved. Uh, I, I found it exquisite. And the absurd rules of this movie that are sort of like a, a fable or a dream. It moved me. It fascinated me. I thought the performances were great. It's got Richard Jenkins, which always elevates a movie. Um, I loved Kajillionaire. I, I just, I, it made me a fan of that filmmaker. I just, I can't, I, it was my jam. So my jam. It's a great choice. It's a great choice. I also think it's a polarizing choice. Uh, can let me put this out there, guys. On our Patreon page, when you decide you don't want to be a patron anymore, there's this thing called exit surveys, right? You're you, you aware of this, right, Jeff? Do you know about this? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, exit. So people can like leave a reason why they so are they not. Can tell you why they're disappointed in you. Great. Why they're disappointed in yeah. you, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, we got an exit survey that read as follows. Quote, usually I don't mind that we had similar opinions, but the fact that none of the three saw what crap kajillionaire was broke me, and I'm now deleting your podcast, end quote. <laughs> well, I mean, you but know. It's a, it's a, it's the so good news is that person did not listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so interesting how like some people's favorite films can be some of the worst film, like some other person's worst film of the year. But That's that fine. said, Jeff, I'm, I, I'm on your side on this one. I actually yeah, really enjoyed kajillionaire. I enjoyed kajillionaire. I thought it was beautiful. And uh, Rachel Evanwood is great, uh, and just th- this family dynamic is so unique. The way it's illustrated in the film, it's so it's weird. Great, it's yeah, such a that's weird, what I love weird, about it. Yeah. Yeah. Off kilter. It's a great choice. It, I, it, the rules of this movie are so. You know, I, I when we reviewed it, I kept comparing it to Joe versus the volcano or something like that. You know, it's it's a it's a film where its internal logic is so skewed and and bizarre, and people move and talk and behave in ways that aren't naturalistic, but is point to kind of a higher truth. And I, I, I really liked it. All right. Well, that is Jeff's number three film of 2020. Devinder Hardware, your number three film of 2020. My number three movie is lovers rock. Now wow. I, I think I could have put pretty much any of the small X movies I've seen up here, like mangrove. I, I loved as well, but I really want to highlight this one because I think this is the most joy I've seen in a film this year. This film is about an oasis that the West Indian community kind of carves out for themselves in London. They throw a house party and you see how it's all set up and you see people cooking in the kitchen. You see people wiring up the speakers. It is like I described this when I first saw this is sort of like before sunset in a way, because it's a breezy romance movie. You're sort of a fly on the wall most of the time and you're just kind of watching this thing unfold in front of you. And I found it just so lovely, so romantic. It I mean, it's about a house party, right? And I don't know when we're going to have house parties again and just like be in a crowded, sweaty room with people as we dance till it gets too late. I think it captures the texture so well and kind of shows that Steve McQueen is maybe loosening up a little too as a director. Because I think what I what I love about him is that he really thinks about his composition, right? Like his films look beautiful. Every camera movement means something. 
but this movie, you know, is just so loose and relaxed and also it's, we're it's, saying, it, let's, yeah. let's elaborate on that a little bit, right? Like yeah. loose and relaxed, like it's most of it is, I think almost the entire thing is handheld. If I, if I yep. recall correctly, yep. handheld. But like, if not, if not, if not the entire thing, like a lot of it is handheld. And also just like, uh, he has a knack of like just staying on a shot for mm-hmm. a minute. Yeah. Like he'll just be like, Hey, here's a shot. Just going to stay here for a minute. The, the, the hands or the hips of someone yes. for a minute. Yep. That's exactly right. You're just like, we're just going to stay here for a minute. And you're just going to think about what these just hands look take like. Take this in, take this in. Yep. There's a point but in yeah. this movie, right? Where everybody, where the crowd just kind of goes acapella in a song. And it is, I can't think of anything more moving to me this year. And then Steve McQueen was talking about this during his, uh, the New York film festival, like his interviews. He didn't plan that. That just hmm. happened. Wow. They set up the scenario. Everybody was jamming to, uh, to, to that song. And it is silly games, silly games. silly games. They're jamming to silly games. And it's so the vibe and the emotion of the room just kind of carried all the performance into doing this. And he didn't stop it. He was just like, okay, we're going to go with this. We're going to watch this because this is what people are feeling. This is the vibe they're feeling. The film is just going with it. And I really appreciated that this year. And I don't want to say it's not just an escape. This place, this poverty is an oasis for the community, but it's also a refuge because the minute they step out of it, they encounter people who could be dangerous to them, right? They encounter cops who want to break in um, towards the end. At some point, somebody encounters somebody they work for, and he's a white guy who just treats him like shit immediately. And I think this movie says a lot. And the fact that it represents this one, this one little moment where people can have some peace and fun and, you know, salt fish and aki, I, I think that's fantastic. So I love this movie, but yeah, I hope everybody gets to see it. This is definitely like, if you're going to watch the small act series, hopefully you're going to watch them all. But I think this one and um, Mangrove and Red, White and Blue, they're all fantastic. You know, he is just doing something amazing here. And I, you give Steve McQueen so much credit for doing this. It's yeah, incredible he, his yeah. Go ahead. It's incredible his uh, his capacity to make all of these movies in yes in, in a short period of time. Yeah, and they're so different from one another. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lovers Rock is beautiful. It, it's it didn't make my list, but it is beautiful. There's some move, moment near the beginning where uh, I think it's like Kung Fu Fighting comes on, mm-hmm, and everybody's mm-hmm. like this is my jam. And it's like that, (laughs) that feeling at a party when a song comes on and it's just the song, the perfect song in that moment. And everybody's super excited. Like that feeling is so beautifully conveyed in that moment. I, I loved it, but you're right. Devendra, you know, you you kept saying it was easy breezy, but there is a menace in this movie. There's a danger always lurking. And I, I think that is really um, the backbone of the movie as well as this, you know, this feeling that, there's a release, but all, always with the danger just outside the door. Mm-hmm. The best thing I can say about this movie, Small Axe, Lover's Rock, which, by the way, you can stream right now on Prime Video, is uh, that immediately after, my wife said, I need to get this food. <laughs> like, she said, <laughs> yeah. she saw yeah. the food as depicted in the movie, and she's like, we need to get this food. You need to and get so this food. I, uh, she, I, I yeah, helped you, you, I her some tips. Yeah, you DM'd yeah. her. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Devendra. Yeah. Um, uh, so she spent like a, a couple hours like researching where to order this food from. Well, you, we guys, you guys are one of the rare places. You have a great Trinidadian restaurant in Seattle. Yes. Yeah. And, and Bourdain was there at one point, I believe. Or some, maybe not Bourdain. It was somebody else on like Food Network or something. But it's been featured. Uh, 
guys, this is the food I grew up on. So seeing a lot of this, just big pots of it being cooked, you know, in a movie like this, hearing people talk like this, these accents, you don't hear these accents. Not really, not like the way people actually speak. And you'll hear cool runnings, right? You'll hear people trying to approximate their joke of a Jamaican accent or something. You You don't hear this patois in cinema. And Steve McQueen, Oscar winning Steve McQueen, made five movies about this. And I got to give him some credit for that. It's it's astounding. Uh, well, that is a great choice for your number three film of 2020. It's Lover's Rock, again, streaming right now on Prime Video. My number three film of 2020 is Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Wow. Wow, Dave. Wow. Yeah. Coming home is terrible. Whether the dogs lick your face or not. Whether you have... A wife, or just a wife-shaped loneliness waiting for you. Coming home is terribly lonely. So that you will think the oppressive barometric pressure back where you have just come from with fondness. Because everything's worse once you're home. I'm thinking of anything. Few filmmakers are better able to capture the idea, the act of remembering or dreaming than Charlie Kaufman, right? of your mind wandering and fantasizing and going off in all these different directions. And that's what I'm thinking of ending things does. I mean, this is one of those movies where like, once I watched it, I obsessed over it for a good couple weeks. I listened to the audiobook. I read all I could about it to understand a, what was actually going on in the movie, which is not clear. <laughs> that's how they get you. They get you, make you buy all the stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and B what it all meant uh, to talk about what this movie is really about would be to spoil it. And so I don't want to do that. So if you, if you don't want to if spoil it. If only you, you had a YouTube video that could explain <laughs> it, Dave. Indeed. I have a YouTube video. You can check that out at youtube.com slash Dave Chensky. Thanks for the plug, Jeff. But, but I will say that uh, there are multiple interpretations of what is going on in this film, and, and uh, many of them are valid. But suffice to say, my interpretation is that this is one of the most tragic, heartbreaking stories I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can read it in many ways. And it's also about many different things. You know, one of the things it's about is like how much we are a sum of all the things that have influenced us. Like, is any of us truly an original creature if um, we are but these, the sum of all these influences that are around us, right? Like we're, we, what, what is nature versus nurture? And, and questions of that nature and magnitude are asked throughout this film. And so I like that it gets at big ideas. It is, in my opinion, pretty inaccessible. It is, in my opinion, a movie that uh, if you just watch it and you read nothing about it and you're just trying to get it on its own, like it's hard. It, it makes you work. Mm-hmm. And that's true of all of Charlie Kaufman's films, I'd argue, right? Uh, Anomalisa, Synecdoche, and this. But this was one where I was okay working for it. And um, I, I guess also, you know, there's a part of like, hey, the the person's fate in this movie is one that like you know uh maybe there's a point in my life where that could have happened to me and seeing it kind of offered like a a window into this alternate reality uh it could still happen to me you know like it offered a window into this alternate reality and um and there's always something like fascinating about a movie that does that so i mean the movie itself is kind of a window into an alternate reality right that's what movies in general perhaps are like that. Yeah. I mean, this one um, in particular, like overtly. 
<laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Oh, I see. I see what you're doing now, Jeff. Nice, yeah. nicely done. All right, that's my number three film of 2020. I'm really surprised I was that high for you, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's a great choice. I think it's a great choice. It's on my um, honorable mentions. Top two guys. Jeff's yeah. number two film of 2020. All right, here we go. Number two. Palm Springs. Nice. nice. And, you know, some people might scoff at how high on the list this is for me, but this movie is one of the only movies I watched multiple times this year. And it it it's a smart, clever take on a very well-worn premise at this point. Uh, I love how it unfolds. And I, you know, in a year where I yearned for positivity, for lightness, for something to entertain me and not insult my intelligence, but also be fun and funny, this movie fit the bill. Uh, I got to enjoy this movie because of how smart it was, but it, it, it had something to say. It made me laugh and smile. Uh, I think the ramifications, the figuring out to the thinking through of this movie is a delight. I completely unexpected. I thought when I clicked play on this one, I really thought it was going to be some kind of frivolous, goofy Adam Sandler or yeah, no, Adam Sandler, uh, Andy Samberg. Andy, Andy Samberg. Samberg. Pardon yeah. me. Andy Samberg. You thought it was going to be Hot Rod Part Two. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I really, you know, I didn't give it much credit, and it it is a really clever movie. Uh, very smart, very fun way it unravels before you. I, I loved it. I loved. It. I mean, for the longest time, Palm Springs was, you know, I I was thinking well, Palm Springs might be my favorite movie of the year, and it is still at number two for me. I, I I'm so glad I got to watch it this year. And like you said, Dave, maybe it's higher because of the year that we all lived where we all felt like we were trapped like this. But and also because, you know. Entertainment that made me think, but also made me smile uh, was appreciated even more. There is no scoffing here. I mean, this is my number five. I love the movie. I'm glad it's uh, something you got a lot out of. It's Jeff's number two. It's Palm Springs streaming right now on Hulu. Devendra Hardwar, your number two film of 2020. My number two film is Sound of Metal. I think Great Riz Ahmed choice. continues to be one of the most compelling actors today. You could just, he can base so much in his eyes and in his face. And it is, it's a talent. He's just so good at it. And I think this film is a fascinating exploration of how a person tries to piece their life together after losing their reason for living. It is, it is just so astounding. And it, you know, it, I think is also so, um, insightful towards you know the the deaf community and for other like for somebody to enter that community and kind of resist it and to have a character like the one played by paul racy that tries to just break it down like dude you're losing your hearing this is life you know let's move on with it and let's try to like adjust to this new reality he is so good Riza met is so good like the stages he goes through as he tries to uh deal with this new shift in his life, Olivia cook is so good as his, you know, his girlfriend and his life partner and somebody he's like, this is a guy that's tried to save himself with music and he lost that. And you just, you see it on his face. You see it in his eyes. It is astoundingly compelling. I love this movie. It's a great choice. It's a great film. It's the Vindra's number two sound of metal streaming right now on prime video. 
All right. My number two film of the year is Boy State. Wow. Yeah. And okay. You, you swerved me. I swerved you. I swerved you. Uh, so as I indicated, Boy State streaming right now on Apple TV Plus is uh, uh, about what's basically a summer camp in Texas where a bunch of teenage boys try to build a fake representative government. And there's a couple of things I want to call out about this film. One is that the cinematography is excellent. I mean, this manages to make this competition feel riv- like this this quest to build this government feel riveting. And like the coverage they got was just like, wow, like some of these angles are cinematic. It's incredible. Uh, and by the way, I'd recommend you check out my interview with the director of one of the directors, Boy State. Over, I listened culturally- to the whole thing. It's fantastic. Yeah. Highly it recommend on- it. Thank yes. you, Jeff. Check it out on Culturally Relevant. Um, but that's one That's one thing is like, it, it looks amazing. The second thing I want to mention is that the reason I put this so high is because there is a moment in this film I cannot get out of my head. And the movie is about these people building like representative government and like who's going to be the president and who's going to be all these, you know, like all these different positions. And essentially what you discover is that several of these boys are willing to compromise their beliefs. They're willing to uh, malign unfairly their opponents. They're willing to spread lies, deceit, to quote-unquote flood the zone with shit, as Steve Bannon might have said, uh, in the service of holding on to their position. These are boys holding on to fake jobs. (laughs) The jobs have no power or significance whatsoever. And people are still willing to debase themselves in order to hang on to the just the illusory sliver of power. And to me, it illustrates everything that's going on literally right now as recording this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, where yeah. we have h- dozens of Republican uh, congressmen who are willing to subvert the rule of law to try to, I don't know, take, take, the, uh, take one of the important rights we have, the ability to vote for uh, our representatives away from people. Uh, a direct assault on American democracy. And why are they doing it? Uh, I think a part of it is to hold on to their jobs. And it's like, really? Are the jobs that, yeah. are the jobs that great? That's, that's you, know? you, you like are it they, so much like, is it? <laughs> yeah. I, I am in my text messages right now. I have just a slew of this like hateful fear mongering bullshit from people representing you know uh, the the other candidates because you're because you're wow. in the Georgia you're part of the you Georgia live in Georgia yeah. Yeah. wow yeah it is it's astounding and I, I like to send them a little note back to say like you know fuck off with this fear mongering <laughs> or something you know because uh, sometimes humans actually do see that but it is it's exactly the tactics these kids did when they like you know sent out those fake Instagram messages and everything right yeah yeah um and it's just like it really are the, are the jobs that important that it's like oh mm-hmm. it's worth giving up your soul and trying to erode the foundations of American democracy like is it re- is it really that great to get invited to those fundraiser dinners you know like or to put on those fundraiser dinners it's like I didn't get it and watching Boy State helps me to start to get it a little bit more mm-hmm. and yeah. to me it represents everything that's wrong with America um, and also to a lesser extent as Jeff indicates. 
what's right with America. <laughs> so anyway, Boy State um, it wasn't necessarily the movie I enjoyed the most uh, or the second most movie I enjoyed the most, but it's like a movie where I'm like, this illustrated for me something fundamental to the human condition. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's my number two film of 2020. So, all right, gents. Great, great pick, man. Great pick. Thank you, sir. All right, I'm. I am so curious. I, I have absolutely no idea <laughs> what this this is going to be for each of you. So, Jeff Kanata, tell us what your number one film of 2020 is. Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my number one film of 2020 is best summed up in the form of a limerick. I love it. I love it. 2020 is officially done, and it was more awful than fun. Fewer films to finish, but that won't diminish. Sound of Metal is my number one. All right. Bravo, Jeffrey. Bravo. Noisy. Search. Throat. Ditch. Fish. Talk. Ring. Brum. Germ. You know what, Jeff? I'm going to spoil the surprise and say Sound of Metal is my number one as well. You guys really yeah. just trying to outdo me over here. Yeah. I really thought it was going to be a clean sweep. I honestly <laughs> yeah. thought mm. I'm surprised Divinity didn't put it could have been. Mm. Yeah. Now, yeah. It, now, Divinity's. Okay. But let's let talk me tell, about let it. Let me tell you guys, here. we are very close to that, but keep going. Yeah. Okay. So, Jeff, tell us why it's not your, your number one movie of the year. I, I mean, I think it's, for me, it's my favorite movie of the year. Uh, it, it was it was not really close. Uh, uh, it is beautiful and harrowing and hopeful and scary. As Devendra eloquently said, amazing performances. Um, it is a journey. You really go on this journey uh, that made me, at the end of it, introspective and grateful. And it is a film, one of those rare films where I am a different person for having seen it. Mm. It yeah. changed me, right? Seeing this movie changed me. And it is a credit to the grace and insight that this movie brings to something that I don't think is really depicted very often in film. And it, it, the sound design is exquisite. I am very grateful. I watched this movie wearing noise canceling headphones and being very intimate with it. Um, it is a credit to the people in the movie. Um, it, it is a credit to the way this, you are brought into this experience and um, it is a, it's a very intimate movie. It is a very personalized movie. And so I felt like I was going through the experience as well. And like I said, it's a harrowing experience to even, even go through vicariously, but it is one also that is, that is hopeful, that is beautiful. Um, what a, what a movie yeah. sound of metal. What a movie. I am reminded of, you know, Sound of the Metal, my number one. You can stream it on Prime Video right now. And hopefully the fact that two of us, unbeknownst to each other, put it on our number one. And the third sure. person on this podcast put it as our number two. It's pretty good. Well, motivate yeah, good. you to watch this. High right? average, that. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me of the that famous quote from Roger Ebert, right? I'm going to read it right now. Quote, we are all born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We are kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth 
is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit more with other people. Find out what makes them tick, what they care about. For me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. If it's a great movie, it lets you understand a little bit more about what it's like to be a different gender, a different race, a different age, a different economic class, different nationality, a different profession, different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. And that, to me, is the most noble thing that good movies can do. And it's a reason to encourage them and to support them and to go to them, end quote. And uh, this is a movie that I watched this year that most reminds me of that quote, the idea that movies mm-hmm. can be empathy machines. This movie immerses you in the story of Ruben, the character played by Riz Ahmed, who struggles with maintaining the delicate balance of his life while dealing with hearing loss. And for me, it's about the desperation we experience for things to return to normal. Yeah. We will literally imperil ourselves and sacrifice everything just for a taste of normalcy. Only there was an example uh, in, in popular culture to <laughs> illustrate that point, if Dave. only there was a steady thrum of news headlines <laughs> that illustrated that point. I mean, beyond the amazing performances, this is the movie whose theme resonates in a year where all of us just desperately want things to go back to normal. And many of us are willing to subject ourselves to, uh, like, li- like, imperil our own lives in order to do that right um and this movie i feel really illustrates that i mean it illustrates a lot of other things i don't want to make it about something that it's not because obviously it is a very heartfelt um kind of exploration of uh the deaf community as well and and that should not be underplayed but when i think about the themes of the film Mm -hmm. and what it means for me um that's what sticks out to me right and how like if if you've lost something, right, as the character of Ruben is in the process of losing his hearing in this movie, if you've lost something, um, do not, in the process of clinging to the former thing you have, like, lose other things. You know, that, that's kind of what I feel when I watch this movie, when I think about this movie and, and especially the ending of the film. So, uh, yeah, I'm getting, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm getting, like, quite emotional just talking I mean, about it. it but, it's it's know. a movie, too, where he... Even at the beginning of this movie, he had apparently lost a lot, right? This is somebody who has rebuilt himself yeah. after facing addiction, after facing so much. And to lose this is just too much. And the breakdown is just, yeah, absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. But the beauty, too, of what mm-hmm. he finds in that, the mm-hmm. people he finds in that. The, yeah. uh, to me, you know, it, it, it is, like I said, it is a a crushing, scary journey but also this beautiful one this this community that he finds these people who uh refuse to think of it as a handicap and um he refused to think of it as something to be fixed and i you know i just yeah. i find that so it's so beautiful it is there's so many moments of real human connection that it seems like the actor uh experienced as well in learning sign language and and you know just God, it's it's such a such a beautiful movie. Agreed. Uh, my number one movie of the year, Sound of Metal. Jeff's number one movie of the year, almost Avengers number one movie of the mm. year. Um, th- this this has rarely happened, by the way. I think. Um, yeah. I think w- the only other time I can remember it happening is with Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Max, uh, sure, yeah. sure, yeah. But yeah, in general, we all have different number ones. So this is a uh, this is quite the feat, which leads me to the question: mm. Devendra Hardwar, what is your number one movie of the year? Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, yeah, this is the final moment 
of this reality show. Let me tell you guys, Sound of Metal was my number one for the like since we saw it. So it was actually only a couple weeks ago, but that movie floored me. And then I saw my number one movie, which is Baccarat. Wow. Yes. Here oh with the Baccarat swing. Backdoor back Baccarat. Yes. <laughs> wow. As, as, as they call it. Let me tell you guys, I Baccar, wow. I was watching this movie on New Year's uh, New Year's Eve, right? The clock struck midnight, and that that exact instant the credits rolled on this movie for me. And I don't know. I I, I just kind of found a lot of meaning in that too. But this movie, this movie kicked my ass and this movie kicked so much ass and i can see why you guys had maybe a lot of trouble um trying to explain it right or trying to like right, boil right. down what <laughs> yes. it is but at the same time guys like uh, let me tell you background it's a neo-western with dystopian sci-fi leadings and i think we can say that and y- you'll have a good well, that sense it done. of what <laughs> you're done, going into it's a film what what i love it is a film about a place of resistance that won't back down, no matter the enemy. And it, like, I was born in a small village in South America. You know, I was not born, like, I, it wasn't a major city or anything. I know, having visited back, like, what a lot of these communities are like, where it is just a bunch of locals, you know, who everybody knows each other. Um, it's they're usually small communities. Um, this one said in Brazil, but across South America, there are actually a whole bunch of these where, you know, communities built basically by former slaves who freed themselves either through, you know, either through revolution or through violence or whatever. And they created a space where they could feel safe and they could protect each other and they can build like an inclusive community. And this movie just represents so much of that, you know, and I love the community building in this, but at the same time, this movie feels so much like a spaghetti Western, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't shy away from that. It can be gross. It can be brutal. It can like, there are huge action set pieces. There is like the cool anti-hero who has a mullet for no reason. And the movie almost kind of comments on that because you see that character and he didn't have a mullet before. Right. It's like, it's this just like costume he puts on because, Oh, he's, Oh, I'm in a movie now. I guess I got to do this part. Right. Um, I, I think it's so smart and fascinating and kind of comments, it comments in society as well because there is so much going on in this film i will not explain too much about what's happening i think this is one of those movies you should just hit play enjoy and you know try to make it out for yourself but i found it to be a singular experience this year and i just really want to take this energy and bring it into 2021 because we gotta we look at what's happening right you look at you look at this ongoing election right now the absolute insanity of everything that's building up and all I see right now. And even after, um, even after everyone gets their COVID vaccine and after we squash this thing, and I, hopefully we will do that in a couple of years, the true threat that was really made clear this year is, is the way this country and a lot of countries treat people of color and treat minority communities. And 
I think this idea of resistance is something we'll just ha- kind of have to embrace and not just ignore, like just because a lot of these protests are over doesn't mean, you know, we're all good. There's a lot of things we have to fix and we kind of have to speak up and fight back. So I, I love that energy from this film. All right. Well, I'm, uh, I'm genuinely shocked at that. That, that seen, was a twist. Yeah. No, nice, uh-huh. Nicely done. Uh-huh. Nicely done. Um, but yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen Baccarat at the top of several people's top 10 lists. So it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, uh, it's, I don't think it's a bad choice or anything, but it did shock me that like, you just watched this movie like a week ago. And I, did. I think the, yeah. the only time this has happened in the past is like, Jeff, I think you watched like 1917, <laughs> 1917 the like day a, up, right? a few days yes. before the <laughs> yeah. top 10. Yeah. But sometimes you see a movie and you just know. Yeah, you yeah. see a movie, you're just like, this is the one. This you know? is cinema, people, yeah. right? This and this is, the, is this is the one. this is my cinema that is both kind of kind of B grade action at times, but also like high minded societal commentary. Like, there's so much going on in this movie. It is so rich. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people just kind of latched onto it. But yeah, it's on Criterion Channel right now. That's a good reason to get that service because it's fantastic. I believe you can also stream it on Canopy, like through mm. your local library, is my understanding. Yep, yep. Um, if you don't want to pay for Criterion. Uh, but yeah, that's Devendra's number one. It's Baccarat. Uh, what a delightful twist for the end of our top 10 list of 2020. All right, gents. Let's talk about honorable mentions. Mm. Who wants to be first? Who wants to list down their honorable mentions? Let, let me tell you guys one that I really wish I had, like could magically make room for, is, um, is Palm Springs. Just because mm, yeah. hearing you guys talk about it, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it since our first review, but that movie definitely stuck with me. I loved it a, a ton, so I wish I could have made room here. But, Anything uh, else, Vindra? I'm just going to go down real yeah, quick. American Utopia, which, hey, another another Spike Lee in this list. Bill and Ted Face the Music, a sequel that I don't think we expected to be very good. It ends up being fantastic. I'll throw all the other small axe films here. The 40-year-old version that's on Netflix right now, Bad Education, Possessor, His House, Soul, which we haven't mentioned at all. And yeah. uh, you know what? If I was doing a top 20, The Old Guard would fit in there too because I think that movie was wow. doing some fantastic stuff. All right. Uh, great choices. Jeff, uh, you want to hit us with your honorable mentions? Yeah, a couple of things that you guys have mentioned on your list. Borat made my honorable mention. I'm thinking of Ending Things made my honorable mentions. Um, I I really wanted to find room for Mank somewhere. Yeah, uh, I That movie really... I thought was really fun and I just loved the language of it. Um, I, I, I had my octopus teacher on my list for a little while. Mm. Um, that the movie's incredible. It's incredible. It's like, I kind of can't believe that I'm even witnessing it as I'm witnessing it. It is, it's mind blowing. I actually going to put an honorable mention of Tenet. <laughs> yeah sure that's uh, right that, I that said is it. on my honorable mentions as well jeff yeah it's on my that movie mentions. is a blast yep. man it, yep. it, it, it it's it's wild and huge and crazy and i loved it um also in the wild and not quite huge but definitely crazy one cut of the dead made my sure. honorable mentions yeah. wow nice. fantastic uh, i mean a movie that like the first half hour I actively did not want to keep watching this <laughs> right. movie. And then, uh, you know, I and mean, then you sure, go, it oh. came out in 2017, but yeah, okay. Uh, we, we didn't review it till this year, so that works. Well, oh, oh, really? Is that <laughs> yeah. true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a bit of an older I movie, didn't, but yeah, it's I good. I didn't bother it's to good. look at that. Sorry. Um, is it really? It came out in 2017? Boy, yep. I didn't know that. Uh, I also, um, you know, I put. I put Freaky on my honorable mentions. It would, never, it would never have made my list, nice. but I think it's a movie that deserves to be mentioned one more time because it's it's fun. It is fun. It's funny. It's a it's a horror comedy. 
and I I had a great time watching it. Um, so yeah, freaky. And then and and uh, Trial of the Chicago Seventeen or Chicago Seven is um, also an honorable mention for me, just because you know I'm a sucker for the Sorkin. Uh, understood. Understood. Okay. Uh, you guys have already mentioned many of my honorable mentions. Um, Tenet, uh, His House, Soul, uh, The Nest, Bad Education, and First Cow. Uh, Forty-year-old version I watched this week, and it, Devinure, this was really close to landing in my yeah, top ten. It's very um, good, which is yeah. interesting because it's kind of a direct salvo against musicals like Hamilton, which did yeah. make my top ten. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway. Uh. So those are also on my honorable mentions. Uh, there are a couple on here that you didn't mention, and I'll just uh, bring some attention to those. One is Gunda, which is a mm. black and white documentary about mostly about a pig and uh, her family, <laughs> her uh, her kids, uh, and that's the whole movie. It's just like you're watching these pigs kind of grow up a little bit in black and white. That's the whole movie. Uh, but it's interesting, and it w- it's also one of these movies that won't be really available for streaming until next year. I saw it via screener. I think it's fascinating. It's unlike anything I've seen this year. It urges you to empathize with the pig, to consider the pig, to empathize with the pig. Um, and I you think say that like there's never been the Charlotte's Web before. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> not since Charlotte's Web or has a movie. Uh, yeah, or uh, um, what's that'll do, pig? What is that one? Babe, babe. Yes. I mean, the list it's, goes on and on. Dave. It's, it's, a, not, art, it's, it's an art house babe, basically. <laughs> okay. uh, and then the other one is uh, a movie that you can actually watch on Hulu right now. It's called The Painter and the Thief. Hmm. Uh, and it's a movie about this guy uh, who stole this woman's paintings and uh, the relationship that they formed after he uh, got in trouble for it. Uh, so and it's, I, yeah. I watched that night before last yeah. and I desperately want to talk about it with you. Okay. I, I, I mean, it almost made my list as well. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of, I know next week we're doing mailbags. So there's not really any place. Maybe for we can it, do, maybe we can do like what we've been watching and mailbag next week. Sure. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah. I, cause I've seen so much stuff. Yeah. There's stuff I, to catch yeah. up on. So maybe we can I do really want to talk about that movie, yeah. man. It is, yeah. uh, it's something, it is something. Yeah. So those are honorable mentions and we have some special categories. Uh, for the After Dark. So stay tuned for that. And if you are a patron at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, you will get it first. If you are uh, not a patron, you'll still get it just on the main feed a couple days later. Uh, But we have more to say. Uh, So stick around on the feed and you can listen to more of it. But that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. Guys, it's been riveting. It's been fun. Very much like many of the movies we've discussed on the podcast. So thank you for all the preparation and uh, it was fascinating to hear about it and learn more about you as movie watchers. Yeah. What, what um, a year and happy 600 episodes, guys. Like, yeah, yeah. happy 600. Big, wow, that's yeah. something. Yeah. I can't wait until Jeff doesn't remember what we did for the 600th episode. <laughs> uh, until, that'll well, be we, next week, ladies and gentlemen. That'll be next week. All right. And anyway, anyway, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you. Next week, we'll have some uh, mailbags and what we've been watching, some small acts for the After Dark. It's going to be fun. And uh, the After Dark for this week, it's going to be special categories for the year in 2020. We'll see you soon. Patreon.com slash film podcast. Yes. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> Smooth. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, slash bad. It's the slash film cast. For all the news and the movies coming out, because you know that it's the thing worth talking about.